Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. Love is not self-seeking. I wanted to go over some of the Greek words here um, because it's important for us sometimes to break this down and to look at what God is really saying when he's saying self-seeking and how he is emphasizing what love is not. I'm not going to read every definition, but if you look on your handout, the Greek word seek is the word um, zeteo, which I probably pronounced incorrectly, but literally it means seek, seek, go about, desire, to seek in order to find, to seek a thing, to seek by thinking, meditating, reasoning, inquiring into, to seek after, strive after, to seek, require, demand, crave. So you get this idea, at least, of some somebody or something ardently seeking after something, ardently inquiring after, thinking after, meditating after, reasoning after. So self-seeking would mean to seek, go about desiring, strive after, demanding, requiring, and craving things which would please self is that not the message of the world what makes you happy seeking self-fulfillment and self-improvement and self-esteem and self-expression and self-satisfaction self-realization it's all selfishness and of course we have a balance in the message here and I have to stop and say that because everyone has to have some self-expression and self-satisfaction and self-esteem, et cetera, et cetera. But not if that's what we're doing at a full-time basis is self-seeking. Basically, that is not what love is because love is not self-seeking. Love is not totally about our own self, but about God and others. But that is the message of the world, to go about seeking and desiring and striving after, demanding and requiring and craving everything that would please self. There's even a magazine named Self. What does this create in the world? What does this create in the church? You know, when I think of this, I think of like bumper cars. And I was so short as a child, I didn't really get to (laughs) do bumper cars until I was much older. And so a lot of the kids doing bumper cars were much younger. And by the time I was tall enough to meet the requirements of doing that at the amusement parks, I was already interested in driving, (laughs) which is pathetic. But anyway, I remember really trying to have control over those bumper cars, and my goal was not to run into anyone. Of course, that was the opposite of most people. So I was shocked and amazed to see everyone else running into everyone else. Really, when I think of it, I think of... Most of the world, that's the way we look. We look like bumper cars, all of us seeking our own things, all of us seeking our own way, seeking our own self. How will they know we are Christians? The Bible tells us they'll know we are Christians by our love. And I really think that would differentiate us more than any other aspect of love if people could see that we weren't seeking ourselves, that we were constantly seeking God and seeking to really help and please um, Him and to care about other people. If we aren't to be self-seekers, which is what the world really tells us constantly, would you all agree with that? And, I mean, I just feel like we're training. And we even sort of subconsciously, and I know I'm guilty of this, we train our children to be self-seekers. 
And the world tells us that that's what we are to do. And yet God is saying, if you really want to live my way, you're to be God-seekers and not self-seekers. Love is not self-seeking. God says in Matthew 6:33 and Luke, in and of itself was not a reward enough. But he's saying, I'll reward you if you seek me. If you seek me, I'll add all the other things that you so desire. I mean, the, the word even says, delight yourself in him and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And yet, even though we know all these scriptures and most of us have heard them before, our natural inclination is to seek what? Self. <laughs> so, we need to keep reminding each other and reminding ourselves. And that's why this study is so good. It's so good for me. It's so good for for all of us because it's not our natural inclination and it's like you know sometimes when you teach the word of god or you you know some scriptures or you speak a lot or whatever people expect you to be perfect at all times and all places and all ways and in every situation well it's just not the truth you know obviously if i or you get away from this even a little bit our natural inclination our natural bend is to seek self you know And I think so often of the silly times that Lacey and I, you know, have disagreements or whatever, and 99.9% of the time it's because both of us are seeking ourselves. You know, we're seeking what we want and not, you know, looking out for what God wants or what each other needs. If you look at the top of page two, I think that these scriptures are pretty indicting and they're pretty um, amazing to look at in light of what we're studying Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Do you see that out in the world? In the church? Everywhere? Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You know, I used to look at that and think, what does that mean? Does that mean that you can't love pleasure? Does that mean that you can't love to golf? Does that mean that you can't love to go on vacation? Do you have to choose God or those things? And no, that's not what it means. It means seek Him first and His righteousness and all these other things will be added. I mean, God is so good, and he doesn't say, choose, choose me or a happy life. You know, sometimes when I've talked to people, and they've asked me about Christianity, and they're sort of way far away from that notion, but they're still kind of curious, and they've said things like, well, you know, when I'm about 99, and I'm in the hospital, and I'm dying, then I'm going to say, Jesus, I want you now. But until then, I want to have a good life. And I'm like, you know what? That's so backwards because my life is good because of him. I mean, I have freedoms that I wouldn't even begin to have without Jesus. I have power of the Holy Spirit. I can live without fear. I can live in forgiveness. I can live without bitterness. I can know that I'm in the plan of God. I can change daily. I mean, there's so many incredible benefits to being a Christian. You can't even name them all. And I can still do all of these things that are wonderful and and fun because he's so good. And so don't be fooled in thinking that, you know, you can sort of um, 
only have fun if you if you don't have the Lord because there's too many don'ts in the Bible. And the older I'm getting, which I used to hate it when people said that, when they'd say that, but it's like the more you realize that all of the don'ts have a reason because if you continue to do them, they bring death and destruction. Every single don't. And it's like, you know, I think you start to realize that as a parent somehow. Don't you? It's like I didn't know that until I became a parent. And I was like, oh. So they say that in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them. So God's pretty adamant about us not being self-seekers and not yoking ourselves and inundating ourselves and hanging out with self-seekers. Are we to, like, judge people who are self-seekers? No. But I'm saying, you know, even in the realm of what we read, what we watch on TV, um, sometimes it can be kind of enthralling almost to watch people who are completely enamored with themselves and going in that direction. But it will affect us. You know, we were laughing. I teach a women's group on Wednesdays. And I said, you know, where you go and who you're with affects you. And we all know that. That's kind of an obvious statement. But even in here on Sundays, you know, what if I said the topic for the next three Sundays is going to be things that bother you about people in your family? What if I said the topic is going to be, you know, how your spouse gets under your skin? Or the next topic is going to be, you know, and, and, and everything was negative. You know, how worried we are about all of our children. I mean, and, and that would affect us. And yet those are some of the topics at luncheons and dinners and conversations and phone conversations. And it does affect us. And so it helps us to be with people who are at least desiring in their hearts to be God seekers because that will affect us and promote us and encourage us to also be God seekers instead of pulling us down. Um, You know, young people are so visual, but I really believe that we're visual too. We just kind of get away from it a little bit. And I, I would do an example with teenagers where I would have a chair and and um, I put a young person standing on top of the chair and a young person standing next to the chair. And I'd tell the young person standing next to the chair, just pull that person down. And I'd tell the person standing on the chair, don't help them or anything. And boy, I mean, within two seconds, that person's down off the chair. It was so easy to yank them down. So then we switch and we have the empty chair and both people are on the ground. And I tell the person who pulled the other person off, now pull them up onto the chair. Don't help them or anything, but pull them up onto the chair. Well, that's a real struggle. And it becomes very physically obvious that it's so much easier to pull someone down than it is to lift them up. And so we need to be aware that the people around us can easily, easily, easily pull us down. And we can pull them down into self-seeking and into that mentality of following the world and what do I want, what do I need. I remember talking to a friend who had gone to a counselor who I think counselors are wonderful, but she had pages and pages that she was supposed to make of this counselor, to of, and I don't remember exactly the wording, but it was basically something of how my needs aren't met or something like that. And it's good to recognize those things, but we need to move a step beyond that and say, God, you know, my needs aren't met in this area. But I thank you that the word says that if I seek ye first, 
that you will make those things be met in me. You will miraculously do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to seek you first. Let's look at this as interesting. God is telling us today that we can be self-seekers or God-seekers, but we can't be both. And, you know, I needed that clarified in my life because I like to swing between the two. (laughs) It's kind of, you know, just sort of easy. You can kind of, even Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you can be a God-seeker, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you can be a self-seeker. And why wouldn't that work? You know, you approach church time, and you kind of straighten up, and then Monday you can kind of seek yourself and split the time, you know. I see no problem with that. Well, it doesn't work because the word says it doesn't work. Matthew 6:24 and Luke 16:3. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so the word is telling us very specifically no one can serve two masters. And truly whatever we seek, we will serve. You know, if I'm constantly seeking myself, I'm going to serve myself. If I'm constantly seeking the approval of man, like if I had to know that all of you liked me and you liked what I said and you agreed with what I said, then I'd constantly be seeking your approval. I might even have to call you up after Sunday school and go, oh gosh, what did you think? You know, is it okay? Did I offend anybody? That would be who I would serve. I would begin to serve you. And I believe that's why there is so much burnout in different areas, and maybe even in the church, when people forget that they're seeking and serving God and not seeking and serving the people. They're not. They're seeking and serving God. We should be. Let's look at the King James real quick. Most of us have read it in this version, the same scriptures in Matthew 6.24 and Luke 16.13. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. How many of you all have heard that um, word mammon before? How many of you had absolutely no clue what it really meant? <laughs> As many hands went up for both. You know, it's so funny how we do see words in the Bible and we think, oh, mammon, yeah, I can't serve mammon. We were laughing on Wednesday how, you know, you've never gone to a dinner party or luncheon and gone, Oh, I'm so glad to be here. I'm a Christian. However, are you serving mammon? Because I can't eat mammon. (laughs) The Bible said, well, mammon, basically the definition, and I think this is interesting, it's an Aramaic origin, and it's pretty obvious. It means treasure, riches, where it is personified and opposed to God. And within reference to this word, it also is a Chaldee or Syriac word. That means Babylonian, which is present-day Iraq, meaning wealth and riches, the God of riches. And so this is basically saying you can't serve the God of riches and serve the God of the universe. You cannot. You have to choose between the two. And what I would establish and say today is that we serve whatever we seek, you know. And sometimes we change what we seek, but that's what we will serve. Sometimes, you know, you'll see people who are just totally in love with somebody and they're just seeking their love and seeking their approval and seeking their admiration. And that is whom they begin to serve. And some people for the rest of their lives go from relationship to the relationship to relationship in doing that until we finally stop and say, wait a minute, I can't serve others. 
or maybe we even seek ourselves. Um, a person to to whom I'm, I really love and enjoy very much, and, and, and I kind of risk saying stuff like this, but I feel like if I'm not specific, then it's not as it's not as real for us. I think it's good to kind of be specific. And um, But she's had probably, I don't even know how many plastic surgeries, which there's nothing in my mind wrong with that if you have peace with God to do something, I suppose. But she's going to have more because she's not satisfied. She's going from one to another to another to another to serve self to seek, you know, what will make me happy, what will make me feel whole, what will make me fulfilled, and it still hasn't. And it's like we all in our own way, we can look at that and say, gosh, that's just exaggerated, that's just amazing. And yet we all in our own way, if we're serving ourselves, do the same thing. And God says, stop. You know, and what I've discovered is that I'm a much harder taskmaster myself than God. I'm never satisfied. You know, have you ever noticed that about yourself? It's like I'm never satisfied. I'll have one thing, I'll do this, and then, and I'm constantly on myself and mad at myself. And I'm a much harder taskmaster than a loving father who loves me and who would help me with all of these things if I let him. And he'll let us choose. When my little girl was, um, when Lacey and I's little girl, she's eight now, but when she was really little, um, she um she only had like three strands of hair anyway so i always had like big bows in her head because she, otherwise she looked like a boy and i remember picking her up from school that was the first thing she wanted out were those bows she wanted them out of her hair and she'd sit back in the car seat and she'd start to pull them out of her hair and i remember saying maddie just wait till we get home and i'll help you and she's like now i do it myself and she'd pull it out and i remember looking at her in the back seat because <laughs> she's so dramatic anyway I don't know where she gets it, really. <laughs> but she would sit in the back of the car, and I remember saying, you know, just wait till you get home. She'd, no, I do it myself. And she'd go, ah, and there'd be this hair coming off this bow. And then she'd pull out the other one, oh, and there'd hair coming off this bow. And it was so funny because I would sit in the front seat, and I'd think, you know, God's really trying to tell me something here. And it's like if we would just seek him and serve him and let him help us he would fulfill the desires of our heart but we want to do it ourselves we're going to pull that thing out if it causes all of our hair to fall out we're going to do it we're going to seek what we want and yet god says if we would just seek him and serve him he would bless us in so many ways that which you seek you will serve this is part of the last message of the old testament of the book of malachi before the new testament book of matthew Malachi 3.13. I'd like to ask someone to read because I really love having different voices on tapes. But if you do, can I bring the mic or I'll just come stand near you so that it'll pick up on the tape. Would someone read Malachi 3.13 for me? You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? Can I continue? Yes, would you? Okay. You have said... It is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper, and even those who challenge God escape. Then those who feared the Lord talked 
with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A, a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning, these, concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, in the day when I make up in the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the right the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Um, I wanted you all to see this because this is no different than in our times. <laughs> Have you ever just looked around and thought, well, all the self-seekers and all the pleasure seekers and all the people that aren't even remotely seeking God are the ones that are being blessed. This is crazy. I mean, we're over here having these problems in our family and struggling with this and praying about this and on our face about this. And here are all these people that don't care anything about God and they're being blessed. And in that same tone, here were the people many, 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 many years ago, thousands of years ago, saying the same thing, Malachi 3.14, it's futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements? But look what God says when there's people that have gotten together. It says in Matthew 3.16 that have actually talked with each other and remember to respect and love God, to seek him first. The Lord listened and heard. And a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared God and honored his name. And then it says that in again in the last times and when God makes up his treasured possession in the end, there will be a distinction between those who serve God and those who do not. You know, it's interesting. I think that God would actually show us that this is kind of a repetitive theme throughout the world where it looks like people are thriving and and um, having no problems and they're not serving God and yet God says that when we continue to seek him that actually a scroll of remembrance is written with our names not amazing you don't think about that you don't think that God's listening sometimes you don't think that he honors the person who says, you know, God, things aren't going right, but I will continue to serve you. I don't even understand what's happening, but I will continue to serve you. It's like what we were talking about a couple of uh, months ago when we were saying it's so important to learn to seek his face and not his hand. And how we don't want our children to seek our hands. Oh, what is she doing? You know, it, if, if we did only want them to seek our hands, they would only love us when we're giving them something. They would only love us when they're getting their way. They certainly wouldn't love us when they're being disciplined. We want to seek the face of God. And then Second Peter 2.19, the second part really brings it home for me. Because we're talking about whatever you seek, you'll serve. And this says, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. I don't mind being a servant to God because he's so good. I mean, he's so incredibly good and generous and wonderful. But I really do mind being a servant to myself because I'm never satisfied. I would never be happy. And I wouldn't want to be a servant to you just as you wouldn't want to be a servant to me. And so God tells us very specifically that we are a slave to whatever has mastered us. Personal application here would be what? Asking yourself, who, what do I seek? What, who do I serve? And maybe looking for the very first time at the correlation between the two. 
What do I seek? You know, when I wake up in the morning, what do I seek? My friend who wakes up in the morning that looks in the mirror and seeks a perfect reflection, she will serve that unless that stops for the rest of her life. That may seem ridiculous to you, but it's not to her. What is it that you seek? What is it that I seek? And yet, when we realize just even though it's hard to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of those other things that are implanted in us through our personalities or our likes or our dislikes, God will give us as well. He's so good if we will seek him first. You know, it's so easy, I think, to, to see that through our kids again. You know, do you ever want to just say, have you ever just had a child that you so wanted to bless them? You really did. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe it's an older child and they were going to get to do something really special. And they did get to because they didn't do what you'd asked them to do. And you just look at them and say, if you had only obeyed me, if you had only done what I'd asked you to do, you would have this reward. Well, God feels that way about us all the time. If you would only seek me first, all of these things would be added unto you and you wouldn't be pulling out the hair ribbons and your only three strands of hair out of your head at the same time. As Christians, we have freedom in Christ, but not if we're seeking self. The hardest taskmaster is self, never satisfied, never at rest, never at peace. Would you all agree with that? Yes. Seeking God brings us peace and mercy and love. It brings us joy. Seeking God causes us to turn away from our own needs in order that he might fulfill them. Seeking God means turning our faces towards him in order to cease staring at our own depravity. And I just wrote this down. This is There's no formula for this. But practically speaking, how do I seek God? First thing in the morning helps me. And I don't mean that you've got to wake up at 5. You know, some people are early risers. My husband is the earliest riser, and if it was up to me, the entire world wouldn't start until 12 o'clock. But I've lived with him long enough to where now I have to get up early. But he's typically up at 5 and sometimes up at 4, and happy is a lark. Well, I'm, I mean, I don't think that it's even chemically possible for me to be happy till about 8 or 9. <laughs> so it's not my fault if I'm not. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not. <laughs> I love the people that are, like, nodding heavily, like, yeah. But it's true. It is just everybody is different. And so when I'm saying first thing in the morning, I just mean when you open your eyes just to commit the day to God, just to commit it to him, just to acknowledge him, just to seek him, just to say hello. God just wants us to say, good morning, God. How are you? You know, help me today. You know I need your help. You know I do really bad because I'm going to mess this whole day up. And I don't want to. I want to have joy tonight when I go to bed. I want to know that I sought you first. Avail yourself, number two, to opportunities to be with God, to talk with him, to learn about God. Anytime that you want to get to know somebody, you avail yourself to them. You know, I wouldn't say, well, I want to get to know, you know, Catherine really well. And then every time she calls, be like, oh, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I would make my schedule work so that I could be with her. And so avail yourself to God. Seek his word and then pray. And I wanted to bring up one more thing before we have a prayer because this is really something that um, that God has really been showing me in my own life. But Galatians 5, 6 says that faith worketh by love. And that scripture is something is so simple, but it has made 
such amazing difference in my life because you realize your faith, that you want to be stronger, that you want to have that kind of faith where you just trust God. And that's what we want. That's what God wants for us as Christians. But faith worketh by love. And so what a lot of people try to do is they try to improve their faith and memorize scripture and become more learned. But God says it's not going to work unless you have love. And one of the biggest components of love that we're learning this morning is it's not self-seeking. So when, when I get in a mode of seeking myself, which is just so extremely rare, no, we all can get in that mode. I can get in that mode five minutes after this class. I mean, we all need God's help. But when I get in a mode of seeking myself, and then someone calls and says, Kathleen, I have a sick child and I need your prayers. We're in the hospital right now. Why does it feel like my faith isn't strong? Because faith worketh by love. You know, I have to drop everything and go, God, you know, it's you anyway. It's not me. And we constantly need his renewal. We constantly need his forgiveness. But the biggest power of faith that we can have is not in trying to walk in more faith, but in trying to walk in more love. And love in and of itself is not self-seeking. It's God-seeking. Everything's opposites in the Bible. Do you notice that? It's all opposite. Give and it'll be given to you. You know? It's the opposite of what you would ever think. Don't think about yourself and God will take care of you. Well, that's not what we would automatically assume. And yet we can trust God. Let's pray. I'm going to read this prayer and then um, we'll close. This is just something I wrote to go with this lesson. Dear Jesus, I can see many areas in my life where I'm self-seeking and not God-seeking. Please forgive me for my misguided attempts to fulfill my own needs. I trust you that when I seek you first, all that I need will be added unto me. Father, forgive me for my selfishness and help me to seek you. Help me to serve you. Help me to remember in all my daily activities that love is not self-seeking. Father, we also come to you this morning and um, we just lift up this country. We lift up the world to you, Lord. We lift up so many situations that it's just completely impossible for us to even verbalize all that's in our hearts. And Father, we just ask for your your angels of protection over our families and over the hearts of our children, knowing that out of our hearts flow the issue of life. God, help us to be God-seeking parents. Help us to be God-seeking Christians. Father, teach us not to seek ourselves, but to seek you. And Father, help us in a daily way with that as individuals. Some of us are early risers. Some of us are not. Some of us can easily read your word, and some of us it's very difficult. But, God, you want each one of us to seek ye in ways that you've created us to do. Father, I pray with each person in this room that that you would forgive us. Forgive us for being like bumper car Christians and just kind of running into each other, not really going anywhere, and help us to to hear your Holy Spirit and to seek you in all things. And... um we just ask that you would bless this day and, and 
let us be used for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.